Please listen carefully. Hey folks, just a heads up. There is a decent amount of cursing in this podcast, so if you have kids in the background and are sensitive to that, then uh, you might want to wait till later to listen to this. Uh, Anyway, we have Chuck Bennington on the podcast. He has been on before to talk about gymnastics. Today he's on to talk more about coaching, and uh, so this is definitely relevant to anyone out there who either teaches or coaches, uh, but for those who are members at, at CrossFit Gyms, uh, this might give some insight into the to the mindset of coaching and coaches. So Chuck starts off to uh, remind people about his past uh, addiction and uh, how he owned that. Uh, he talks about his newest venture, Coach Like You Mean It, um, which gets into things like uh, pet peeves of, coach- of coaches, um, what the role of a coach is, uh, how to be engaged with clients and members. Uh, he talks about this pyramid of caring and how to ascend up that pyramid. Uh, he also talks about how to show that you care. Um, what does it mean to care as a coach and why does that even matter? Uh, we also talk about general physical preparedness or GPP versus uh, a strength plus metcon. So we get into some of the programming uh, at CrossFit Gyms and how that can vary. Uh, we talk about a number of books that he really enjoys and our resources for coaches out there. And then we also relate coaching to McDonald's. So to find out more, you're going to have to listen to the episode, uh, but enjoy this interview with Chuck Bennington. Is he, so is he out of diapers yet? Uh, we're like mid potty training. Mid-pot- kind of yeah. Okay. Right. More misses than hits. <laughs> Did you do? Are, are you doing like the running around naked? Just uh, like, oh yeah, we got like two little like portable tiny human toilets, and I'm just yep. you know, yep. just running around naked, and like one's posted up in the living room, and it's like I don't know, dude, you want to like watch the Lion King and drop a deuce? Go for it. <laughs> and and you're like, I I want to do that too. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's just it's very surreal. I mean, it is. It is the biggest, best growth opportunity that you could ever have in life. Um, Vanessa turned 40 yesterday, and so oh, happy birthday. very, like, introspective, you know, birthday for her. Yeah. And just, like, seeing kind of two ends of it as, like, sort of, you know, this for sure defined, like, dude, at 40, you are an adult in, like, every way, in every sense. Yeah. But then also still having, you know, a very young child to be able to like appreciate the journey of life in its entirety, mm-hmm. yeah, not its entirety. She's not like, we're not taking her out to the pasture to like put a right. bullet in her. <laughs> yeah. She's 40, bro. Need to right. trade her in. Nothing like that. But just to see like, you're never done growing. You're never done evolving. You know, I'm 34. She's 40. And it's like every week goes by. We're like, dude, I'm, I'm a new person in X and Y and Z different ways. Like you are, I mean, I guess a lot of people finish growing pretty early on, and that sucks. I do not endeavor to ever be a human like that, but, you know, 
for people like you and I, people like us that do things like this, like I am always striving to find improvement and growth and like always being introspective to like lessons learned and like trial and error and what I got right, what I got wrong, what I could have done better. Um, now, man, it's, it's pretty incredible. This whole life thing that we got going. Do you feel, I know you've had a lot of transformation and change over your life. And we talked about that on the first podcast, you know, last year. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you've always had that mentality though? So even though your, your uh, yeah. actions and your activities like, different... earlier, earlier on in life, I definitely, you know, I think environment is huge. And I think, so like your actual physical environment, but then also like the people who you are surrounded with and like the social element of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely like, not, not in its entirety, but there was a, a much more like fixed mindset to different aspects of my life earlier on. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now I'm like, you know, in every possible way, I'm like, dude, life is just, it's straight up a video game. Like life is actually a video game. Like you have, more control than you possibly know or imagine and like you can shape and influence like any and every part of it to some varying degree and like you know wasn't always there on every end of my life um but a lot of stuff like earlier on like I had a sense that there was like more to it Mm -hmm. but definitely more of like a fixed place I was like well this is my shitty circumstance rather than like well this is your problem to solve bro Mm -hmm. Um, so you took more, more ownership yeah, you know, like a big an ownership piece for me came. I think my like one of my more more significant growth moments. We might have touched on it a little bit on the first one. It's just been so long, and my memory's yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But um, it was like it it was a group meeting in my inpatient rehab program on like a like a Wednesday morning at like ten thirty or eleven thirty, and it was just like looking around the room and I was like, dude, if I don't change, I'm going to end up like one of these sad people and that sucks and I don't want that. So like, I'm just going to make better decisions and be in control of my life. And like, that was, it was just like that simple. It's just like, you know what? Nope. It's time to take ownership, be in control and like shape outcomes. So you're 34 now. What would you, um, what would you tell your 24 year old self? Ooh, that's, that's good. Uh, so 24 is like right at the crossover point where Vanessa and I got serious. So like imagining alternate reality where like I didn't have Vanessa, mm-hmm. like it would be like find somebody. doesn't need to have to be like a girlfriend, but like it needs to be a like a good, like like a good business partner or a good friend. Like you, you cannot do all of this alone. Mm-hmm. You need to find somebody to force you to level up. You need to find somebody to like help hold you accountable. You know, maybe in a lot of ways, it's like find a good coach. Like, you know, I've always aspired as a coach to be the coach that I wish I would have had earlier in life. And like, you know, Vanessa and I, we, we coach each other constantly in a healthy, productive manner. And like also in quite like literally in a fitness manner, but like, Mm -hmm. that would be the piece of advice I would give to an earlier, younger kind of like lost version of myself. It would be just like twofold, be like, everything is your fault, good or bad, (laughs) you're in control. Yeah. You can't do all of this alone. You need somebody else in your corner, even if it's just somebody to call you on all of your bullshit. Like, if that's all you got out of it was just somebody who was like, nah, man, that that is on you. You need to mm-hmm. do better, capable of better. Like, that would be of huge value and benefit. But I think a lot of people end up in, like, negative situations and circumstances because, like, they're looking for 
like the validation of the thing that they want to pass the buck on. And so they build like a lot of social constructs and relationships around like, you know, like who is going to let me just like be a victim or like, oh, this is just the situation, you know, like people go around looking for people to, you know, pat them on the back and tell them like, oh man, that sucks. It's going to be okay. Rather than somebody like, dude, that sucks. Time to solve a problem. Let's get at it. Take ownership. Yeah, man. I think like, Understanding growth mindset and like finding somebody to go on the journey with those to be the two biggest things. I mean, that's not even a younger version myself. Like that's literally anybody like that. Right. Dude, like that's, that's my mom. Mm-hmm. Homegirl is in her sixties. She still has like a lot of fixed mindset stuff with some things. And like, you know, does not always like it when I want to play the role of coach and be like, dude, take ownership. Like you could have done better with that. Or like, Hey, Mm-hmm. Quit living in the past. Like, that's done and over. Like, make a better decision. Make a better, like, mindset of it. You learn some lessons. Like, let's go. Where do you think that you, your growth mindset came from? Mm. I think that a big piece of it, so, like, you know, we've we've talked about, like, my struggles with, like, substance abuse and addiction stuff. And I think that where I had really struggled to find, like, buy-in with, like, a lot of the conventional treatment world was like the the first step is admitting that you are powerless and like I could just never get on board with that and so like there was always like some piece of me that was conflicted with that and I was like why would you ever seek to deliberately like take power away from people and get them to buy into like having no power right and like you are a victim and Mm -hmm. so like one of the arguments that I continually got into and like I, I started going to like some treatment stuff as early as like high school and then like it didn't get real bad until like I eventually got myself kicked out of the military but through this entire like span of time that was probably like eight years of different like treatment things here and there um I could just I could never get a clear answer see eye to eye with anybody when I was like so wait hold on drugs and alcohol total abstinence and sobriety is the only answer because it's a disease that I'm powerless to control and they're like yep bingo cool you got it and I was like so what do you tell sex addicts and food addicts Mm. they're like well it's it's different they need to learn to like control it and i was like no no you said addiction is a universal mechanism so why is it that we can control sex and food but we can't do it with drugs and alcohol and they're like oh it's different i was like well explain to me how it's different and everybody's like "Mm, quit asking hard questions (laughs) and so like i think that was like where i i shaped a little bit of kind of like this growth mindset i was like well if if these constructs exist within which we are able to control like our decisions and like how we like react to stimulus and situations like what our response is i was like well can't you do that with like anything and everything like if you can do it with sex and food and alcohol and drugs like couldn't it be just like how somebody like cuts you off in traffic or like you know right take it bigger and also take it smaller like whatever like you know you always have the ability to control your response Mm mm-hmm and so if you have the ability to control your response, like, don't you get to steer what direction things start building into? Yeah. And it turns out that you do. Right. But and a lot of people have put that into books and words now. But at that time, I imagine there wasn't, you know, Carol Dweck didn't have her mindset book out, right? Jocko Willink didn't I mean, have his looking for those things book. at that point. Right, you weren't reading this stuff. You were, you were thinking it. Yeah, it was, like, just, like, a lot of, like, internal processing, and it was, like, the lack of congruence is where I, like, ran into an issue, and, like, in retrospect now, like, 
I am sure the tools and resources were there even at that age. And I'm like, why didn't some like basic ass counselor be like, yo, read one or two of these books. Turns out there's, <laughs> there's like seven or eight shelves of them in any Barnes and Noble anywhere in the world. Like right, right. start here. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway, it's ended up here. So I'm grateful for it. There's now you said you and Vanessa coach each other. Was that a, um, a conscious decision where you guys like have a formalized process for doing that? Um, like, you know, I just, I talked to Mike Caju and he had him and Adi have, you know, certain like check-ins with each other. Right. Um, do you guys have something set up? Was this like a, Hey, we need to coach each other. We're going to do this on Sunday nights. We're going to check in or has it just been like an organic, just whenever stuff pops up. Organic. I mean, there was some things that like had to be formalized early in our relationship because we were doing like a long distance thing and like to get okay. to the yeah. point of, like, cool. So it was that early. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because, like, I had to move to her. Mm -hmm. And so it was, like, that That creates a timeline of, like, cool, like, what's the notice situation with your employer? Like, where are saved finances to cover the move expense and also, like, you not having an income initially? Like, so just right. it started in a formalized structure and then was just kind of maintained itself organically, you know, moving forward. Because, like, we, like, one of the things that, like, we've always tried to do is just any opportunity we have, like, we go for walks together. And, like, the walk is, like, that is where we process life. That's where we kind of talk about, like, goals, ambitions, struggles, like, wins. And so, like, it's a it's a reoccurring thing where it's based more on schedule and with me, like, traveling to coach and then around Liam and her. Like, we, we haven't been able to, like, formalize specific days. It's just kind of, like, any opportunity that we get to go for yeah. a walk, we go for a walk. And when we walk, that's when we talk through life or... Okay. Flights are the same or long car drives are the same, but it's like any chance that we have where we're separated from the phone, separated from the computer, and like it is just kind of us in a little bubble, Yeah, that is that is our check-in process. That's our accountability process. That's our like help each other problem solve life process. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Well, and speaking of coaching, you have this Coach Like You Mean It program or um, working on call it. it. A brand or a um... no, man. It's just it's been kind of like this natural evolution that like I never really even set out to. It was just a, a thing I started saying really early on because you know I even before coaching on the seminar staff or before we owned a gym, there's just like you have these interactions with people who are in the role of coaches, but I would I would I would hesitate and struggle to call them coaches. Mm -hmm. And, like, coaching has always been, like, very powerful and meaningful to me. Like, from day one, like, the earliest opportunity that I ever had where, like, somebody was looking to me for advice on, like, how to move their body or an object or be healthier. I'm like, wow, this is deep. This is profound. Like, this is, this is the role of a student and a teacher in a way that, like, really, really significantly matters. Not just in these four walls, like, in everything you do for the rest of your life. Like, being healthier is the bee's knees. Fitness is, like, awesome. And so just for like a lot of coaches, I'm like, dude, just coach like you mean it. Like, why? How can you possibly sit there with your hands in your pockets? How can you possibly sit there just like scrolling through Instagram after you started a clock and like maybe look up every now and then and clap like, dude, that's bullshit. Like, get out there and coach your ass off. Not because you have to, mm -hmm. not because you're obligated to, not because somebody's paying you. I mean, those are all important things, but like, holy shit, dude, this is the coolest role in the world. Like, this is the most important thing that pretty much anybody can do for anybody else and like in a very grand epic sense. I, I believe that the ability for fitness to save and change lives puts coaches in a place where they have an ability to to control 
influence on somebody's ability to understand like growth as a mindset and as an ethos and as a lifestyle in a unique way that almost nobody else on the planet ever will be able to like really good fitness coaches can resolve the majority of the problems that exist on this planet. Like I, I would feel comfortable defending that in like any format that I ever had to. And like, we know that it works because you look at like the microcosm of even a class, not even an entire gym population, but like a really well executed class that a coach is like, he cares and he's helping and he's in a leadership role. And you see these 12 people from totally different backgrounds that want totally different things out of fitness and totally different socioeconomic backgrounds and like different religious. Just 12 people shit about anything else besides all improve. And you're like, if you could just extrapolate that like big picture, like you solve a lot of problems on this planet. There is a lot to unpack there because um, I care about this a lot as well. Um, let's let's start with um, what are your pet peeves for coaching? You, you mentioned a couple of them really quickly when we first started talking about this. But, um, you know, before owning a gym, I dropped in to a lot of places when I had a consulting job and I would keep track in a Google sheet of my experiences down to like so how fast, how fast would someone come up. I would love to see that. Yep. Um, how fast would someone come up and say hi? Um, how, or even, or even just like, you know, acknowledge that I was in the room, right? right. Um, there were times that I would walk into the gym, class would be going on. I'd stand at the front door for 20 minutes before the coach actually even realized I was new there. Um, right. Down to, you know, how many times are they saying names to just overall experience? So what are, yeah, what are your, some, some of your pet peeves? For coaches, uh, what, are, what are the how much you not ah, Chris? Um, dude, <laughs> all of it, and that's why, like, I, I couldn't, I never set out to come up with like a brand name. It was just like, dude, coach, like, you mean it. Like, if you genuinely care, these things should all start to resolve themselves. So, like, the one thing that I think crosses like a million pet peeves is just like disengagement. Like, if you are not yeah. engaged in your role as a coach, you're not coaching. Like, just get the fuck out. Stop. You're done. Yeah. And so, like, being engaged, like, you are interacting with people, you are using names, you are, like, demonstrating, you are giving tactile feedback, like, engagement is the, the one thing that starts to solve all the things. Yep. I guess care first, you have to care. If you don't genuinely care, we've got nothing else to talk about. Nothing else matters, because, like, I can't take you from a coach that doesn't care to, like, giving you all of the tools and skills in the world. Um, so you have a question on that though, because I think if you, if you take, uh, coaches that are out there and you ask, Hey, do you care? They'll say, yeah. So I want to unpack that more because I don't think anybody out there who's a, who has the role of a coach or title of a coach would say, no, I don't care. Right. So what's that difference? Right. I can say, I can say that I care, but what's the difference? So, so Caroline, like the, the metric with which we validate like true care and concern mm -hmm. is, is your largest objective to help somebody else. If your largest objective is to like cover your membership, you don't care. If your largest objective is to like figure out how to be an athlete and fucking hang out in the gym for two hours a day, like you don't care. Yeah, that's so, a big one, right? You have to care. And how we know that you care is like other people's problems matter more than your own. Like you are there to solve problems. You are there to fix other people. Yeah. Like it, the a thing that I got from like a, a personal development um, conference that I went to recently was like, 
just the mantra, like, it's not about me. It never was. It never will be. And I was like, well, cool. There we go. Like, that kind of summarizes. So, like, I guess if you're looking for, like, a very tactical way to distill down, like, is air something that exists? Like, can you say that and feel like you genuinely mean it? Like, in your heart of hearts. Right. It's not about me. It never was and it never will be. Like, like if that. you can if you can say that and you can believe it and you can buy into it, then like you know what I feel like you probably do care. There's yeah, a lot and then, of people yeah. feel like would say that and they would know that they were faking the funk. Right. And then and then so like then you go to the next layer of like, well, are you actually helping people? Mm-hmm. Like people don't need fucking fitness facilitators. Like, dude, everybody knows how to start and stop the stopwatch on their phone. Right. Nobody needs to actually clap for themselves. Like motivation is the false construct because like motivation doesn't even matter. It's like it's dedication and consistency long term. Like, are you recognizing their problems and helping them fix them? And so like another piece of like is coaching actually occurring in a class or like in a gym environment? Are people making progress? And I think like that's a big one. So one of the things we get into at the gymnastics seminar is like breaking down and explaining like, dude, Scales and progressions are different things. And people are like, whoa. What do you mean? <laughs> it's the same. And I'm like, now, a scale exists for a like a, an intended stimulus to be replicated. Right. A progression is about actually like making progress and teaching somebody and developing them. And like that is so mind blowing for so many people. And I think it gets them out of the place of being just like a fitness facilitator to like actually coaching where they're like, yeah. oh, dude, I, I, I do care. Like, I really do care. And I have wanted to help people. I was just missing the tools. Right. And so, like, that's, I've, I've really gotten a lot of stuff wrong with, like, coach, like, you mean, like, as I've built out an online course and written out a curriculum, I was, I was putting together, like, tools and skills. Like, if we think about, like, a hierarchy, like, that's the sports side. Like, being able to recognize facial expressions, being able to understand like how body language works in interactions by understanding like autocratic and democratic coaching or like positive and negative reinforcement, like all these little things, like these are tools and skills for being good at coaching. But like down at the bottom, you have like your intentions, your belief and your mindset. If you don't care and you don't want to help people, all the tools in the world don't matter at all. And so like I'm having to like, this has been a more recent kind of like revelation for me because like the, the classic like entrepreneur mistake that everybody talks about don't make a product for yourself don't make a service for yourself i mean do but don't and it's like instead of going to the market and like really identifying for head coaches for owners for people that are like having these disconnects like what is the bigger thing because like you own a gym right dude yeah. like how many times during your first probably like three years before you had like your own unique like clairvoyant aha where you're like how do I just get these fucking people to care more, bro? Because if you cared more, you would solve these problems on your own. I right. shouldn't have to tell you when somebody new comes in the door, you should go wave to them and shake their hand. That should right. be like totally inherent. Like that shouldn't be something we have to coach you to. Right. But you do. Yeah. Because you don't understand early on, like that you can't make assumptions at right. all. Like, you can't assume that anybody is going to care as much as you care, like, because we don't actually coach care. We don't actually get, like, coaches or, I guess, like, people wanting to coach to understand what it, what goes into truly being a coach, to understand, like, why right. fitness really matters, right. why you're in a crucial leadership role, and then we can worry about how you execute it. 
Right. But like the whole industry is broken, dude. Like this is my struggle. It's like we're giving everybody scales and progressions and reps and sets and tempos and time domains. But I would say 95% of the coaches that exist in our entire industry and not just like cross, but like fitness period, yep. they don't actually give a shit and they don't right. actually want to help people. And so like we need a process to just like screen these people out and make space for the people that do want it because that's the other side of the struggle, right? Like there's, there are millions of well-intended, dedicated, deeply compassionate, caring coaches that want to make a difference that can't pay their bills. They can't get the class time that they want. They like can't get the one-on-ones that they want. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of shitheads that are just kind of like fill in the blanks, facilitating exercise, starting a clock and clapping. And I'm like, so yeah. we need to identify care and help so that we can be like, dude, all right, you don't pass go. You don't collect $200. Like you actually just need to pay for a membership and be an athlete. We thought that you were here to be a coach. That's a mistake for both of us. You thought you wanted to coach and I thought you wanted to coach. And it turns out when we go through screening this process, like, this is a bad fit for everybody, for the ownership, for the coach, for the athlete, for the client. Cool, dude. All you want to do is work out a bunch. Dude, you don't have to be a coach. We can figure out a way for you to work out a bunch. Maybe you handle some back end stuff. Maybe you do some like low level janitor stuff. Maybe you help me yeah. post to social media. Like, I'm not saying that you don't get a place at the gym. Like, you can still be a piece of the culture and community. You can still be more than just a client and an athlete. But like to coach, to really coach and to really save and change lives, like, it's going to require not just the skill set, but like the willingness and ability to apply that skill set. And so like I think like this is a big picture transformation that needs to happen like across the board for like our entire industry and especially like the micro gym, like true fitness, like GPP niche, like where it's not just about aesthetics, where you're like, dude, I want to make you better for the rest of your life. Like we need to figure out like there's a lot of people in coaching roles that shouldn't be in coaching roles, and that's not because they're bad people. Right. It's just like, dude, to, to be a coach, like you have to really want to coach. But we've got such a quick, easy process to get people into that role that like, it's not like being a teacher. I mean, it's very similar to being a teacher, but like, you don't just kind of accidentally end up being a teacher, right? Right. Nobody's like, bro, the fourth grade teacher uh, is moving to another state because he just got married. So can you teach can fourth you grade? And somebody's like, right. I mean, I know how to, I know how to read and I can do some math. <laughs> I teach fourth grade now, but like, that's what we do in fitness. It's like, uh, I can right. do some muscle ups. I can snatch. And they're like, cool, you should be a coach. And it's like, well, should I? Right. I don't know. Should you? And like, if it's not <laughs> a fuck yeah, it's a no, bro. But like, we just, we've ended up in a situation where like people have been transitioning into coaching. Dude, there was not a handbook for this, right? Like, we, we were talking earlier about like how just being an adult is an endless growth opportunity. Being an entrepreneur and a business owner is like that times 10. Cause there's, there's about 8 billion people that have figured out just like living all at the same time. Like businesses go out of business every damn day. Like owning a business is brutal. And there's a million books written on like owning and operating businesses, but like nobody ever wrote Chris P's book on owning and operating a gym. Like, your your own culture your views like what you want for your community how you do staff development like your own biases like where your ego does get in the way like the awareness that you have to build like as an employer as like an employee in a context so there's a ton of us and like i only know this because like my ego is like this big like i i have totally been okay like just letting life rip me to shreds and recognizing that like i suck at pretty much everything i do 
like I am a I am a mediocre husband. I am like a struggling father. I am like maybe an average coach. Maybe. Like in the grand sense of what I aspire to be and want to be, like, dude, I I suck at all of this because like I want to suck at it because that means there's room to improve. And as soon as you think you're great and you buy your own bullshit, you're done. Yeah. And so like for a lot of us, dude, like owning a gym or being a coach, like you're just playing catch up. And it's just like, you know, I started coaching. Like my very first coaching gig was because somebody moved to New York and there was an opening to coach two 6 a.m. classes. And I had an L1 and mm -hmm. I wanted to coach, mm -hmm. which is a good thing that I wanted to coach. But like, dude, I, like you said, most coaches would self-identify as like, yeah, dude, I want to coach and I care. And so everybody steps into that role, but like, I don't think most people are prepared for like what that entails. Like I had wanted to move into coaching and personal training for years before I actually started doing it. I mean, hmm. I had, like, I had files and folders just endlessly on my computer, like reading, learning, like anatomy, physiology, like just how this whole thing actually works. Like I knew that I wanted to do it for a long time before I started doing it. Right. But generally it's like, oh, you're one of the better athletes at the gym. Well, then you should be a coach. So what does that what does that look like from a system standpoint? Because I think on one hand, you're you just got to try something to see if you have any number one competency, number two, any actual passion for it um, and so many other factors. Right. Like there's a difference between thinking about something and actually doing it. Right. So you can read as much as you want, but it doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. So at some point you just need to to take a leap and try something. But on the other hand, from a business standpoint, as an owner, like, no, you just because you have a level one doesn't automatically mean you're going to be a, a good coach. But we also know that there are people out there who need to just get their hands dirty and try it. So does that look like a probation period? Does that look like... Yeah, like, I mean, we... we we got a lot wrong when we had started our gym initially. And like what we had moved to at the end was like a very long internship period mm -hmm. where it wasn't even tied into coaching. It was that like, dude, you need to be a part of the culture and community before anything else. Right. Because like I'm an average or above average coach. I'm pretty decent at what I do from like feedback, but like you could take me and drop me into your gym as like a cold point of contact. And I could struggle and flounder and fail miserably because they don't know me. They don't love me. They don't trust me. Like until we build a relationship, no matter how much I care and how much I want to help, that is going to be really hard to deliver on unless you have exceptional interpersonal skills and you understand influence, persuasion, and motivation on a tactical level. So like yeah. those are things that I'm distilling into like this whole coach, like you mean it, like, you know, process yeah. and framework is like, you need to understand like interacting with humans, but you know, so like big picture, I'll get to where you're at. But like for, for us, what we found is like, you just have to be around these people and make sure that it's a good fit. Cause you could want a coach, you could have an ability to be a great coach, but if you're here and the culture and community is here and like, you think that everybody should be a competitor and everybody needs to be a badass athlete. And all these people are like, I just want to look good naked and play with my kids. That's also a bad fit, no matter how good you are and how much you care. Right. Like a lot of it is screening that's a good fit. If we're looking right. for like a more tactical answer to like what you're suggesting of like, how do you just figure out if coaching's a role for you at all, regardless of like people, personalities and goals? Do you remember going through your L1 like a million years ago when we went through? Oh, yeah. Closing out on Sunday. Like, what's that closing lecture? They're like, go home, 
get a broomstick, go teach your neighbor to overhead squat, go teach your mom to overhead squat, like take your high school buddies and take them into your garage and try to get them to work out. Yep. How many people actually do that? Right. Fucking goose eggs. I mean, I did. Because, like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what it's like to sell fitness to somebody that doesn't necessarily want it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see what it's like to try to coach these things to somebody that doesn't move well, that's not self-motivated in it. That Like, I am dragging, kicking, and screaming in. And I'm like, bro, I'm going to teach you to overhead squat. And they're like, I didn't even know you could squat like this. This is blowing my mind. And so, like, they they give you that process, the L1. Like, as much shit as the L1 catches from, like, from people in the community, out of the community – all the gold nuggets are there, but like yeah. everybody glosses over it. And like, there's a lot that I think could be better in a million different ways, but like the core principles of like how you actually develop into a coaching role, like it's laid out in all the old school methodology stuff. Like when did you get into CrossFit? 2008. Okay. Like that's, that's when I like, I did some CrossFit before that, but 2008 is like when I became a CrossFitter. And I think like yeah. that's also an important distinction. Right. Um, so like you remember getting the journal emailed to you is just oh, like yeah. a PDF, like dude, everything you could ever need to know about like being a badass athlete or a coach or a gym owner is like all in that. But we've got everybody up here. That's like, what's your funnel, bro? What's your lead nurture? And I'm like, <laughs> you never learn how to talk to humans. You're fucking doomed. A thousand dollars a month in ad spend. Like you need to figure out how to connect with people. Anyway, that's like a different tangent. Yeah. A whole different like side project outside of coach like you mean it. But yeah, dude, like just going and actually coaching people that are low hanging fruit and that like there are no consequences for you being bad at your craft. Like me with my mom with a broomstick. The worst thing that happens is I figure out that I suck at it and she doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But by the time, like, a lot of people stumble their way through, like, getting an L1 and ending up in a gym and, like, you're figuring out that you're actually not good at coaching, but it's with, like, a, a, a former collegiate football player deadlifting 455 for reps. And you're like, oh, this is not a cool place to figure out that I'm lacking in this skill set. Right. So, like, part of what I want to do with coach, like, you mean it, like, long term, like, once I really figure out what it is and it's making money – I want to throw that money back into the community to initially allow people to at like, so you could, you could either register for it as an online course and you could pay, or if you are willing to like put your money where your mouth is and say that like, dude, I want to coach. Like, I mean it, like I care, I care and I want to help people document hours, volunteering your time in middle school PE programs or in assisted living facilities. If you're willing to go put a hundred hours into just like developing the craft of coaching with people that probably at first don't want to hear from you and don't want you to do those things, but you understand that like you have a moral obligation to help save and change lives with fitness and like you can't sleep at night because you know that people are like sick and dying and miserable and you have a way to do something about it. Like if you want to do that and you want to volunteer your time and energy, like you're my people, you shouldn't have to pay for this education. Like I want to make you as good as you could possibly be at that because it matters for all the right reasons. Right. And so, like for anybody that doesn't filter into that, like eventually once there is a, like a profit model to it, then for all the coaches that you and I were talking about that like can't get enough classes to cover, they can't get enough one-on-one clients. Like, dude, they want to coach, but they can only coach part-time because they have to do some other job to actually pay their bills. Cool, dude. Let me pay you to go 
and coach middle school kids. Let me pay you mm-hmm. to, to assist living facilities. Let me pay you to go to like a youth obesity outreach program. Like, let me put dollars into your pocket to go do the most meaningful, impactful shit that you could ever do with fitness. So like, that's my, my big picture aim of it is just like, yeah. dude, fitness changed my life. Fitness saved my life. Coaching saved and changed my life. And like, I know I am not an isolated example of that. Like I meet people every weekend that I go to coach that fit that role, but like they're struggling. They're struggling because they're missing skill sets and they're struggling because they're missing income opportunities. And I'm like, here's a way that I can combine those two things. Yeah. I can let you develop the skill set in a way that gives back to like all of us collectively, like as a as a human, whatever we are, family, people, collective conscience, I don't know, like whatever you want to call it, like we can find wins for everybody. And so like that's that's what I want to do big picture. And I guess like going back to your original question that spawned this whole thing, like how do you let somebody get their feet wet coaching? Coach where there's no consequence. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, for programs cut or their funding is like non it can't get a whole lot worse than what it's at now right so like if you go and teach somebody to lunge or squat like dude the you're giving them a skill for the rest of their life because every time i like cruise down to tie my shoes i'm doing a lunge every time i get in or out of my car i'm doing a squat so like the worst case scenario is we just help you move a little bit better for the rest of your life but potentially for that kid that is me like the former fat kid like fat little chubby Chuck Bennington in middle school that like was ashamed to take his shirt off at the pool party. Maybe that kid like develops a growth mindset and he's like, holy shit, I wasn't fit. I didn't know that I could be fit. This guy's telling me I have that ability and he's willing to help me get there. Dude, you know what? Instead of going home and like playing video games, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to see what this is all about. And I promise you in like 30 to 60 days, like you have begun to change a life in a significant, substantial way. So yeah, that. And on the subject of coaching, because I know this is this has been a, a series of posts recently, I want to talk about class, the fact that it's an hour long at most places. I dropped into a place where it was an hour and a half. Um, Dude, where was that? I, uh, I'd be super interested to just like talk to the owners and figure out like the business structure side of that. That's a that's an anomaly, and I've got something that we got into at SeaWorld, and I won't sidetrack you now, but I would yeah. be happy to follow up on that. Yeah, this was in Michigan, and oh my god, this was, um, I'm actually pulling up that document. Um, really great experience. Um, the reason they were doing an hour and a half class was because they wanted to hit more components. Um, so this thing that we're going to talk about right now, which is Strength Plus Metcon, they wanted to do that at plus uh, mobility, but they wanted, they knew that they couldn't do it um within an hour and so what they did was they made they just made their structure their normal everyday class uh an hour and a half and that's awesome i would imagine in a lot of markets that's a hard sell we problem solved it in like a different way and i think like yeah. something that i've realized based on a lot of like the dms on the gram that i've gotten and a lot of like follow-up comments and stuff from people is like i need to clarify that like I am not saying that strength and Metcon in a singular training session is bad. I'm saying that that does not fit in one hour, nor is it necessary for most people and their goals. So like, that's a different conversation. But I realize, like, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't cleared the air with that well enough because a lot yeah, of people, are like, bro. Yeah, but you know what? When Metcon. when you when you got to take a stand on something, you got to make it clear to the 
to the point where it's almost exaggerated, and then you have to Work do back. what you're doing, which is explain your stance on it. So, right. for like this this video series is going to get into like the next section of videos that I'm going to shoot is like the actual like programming side, and people are going to see like. Oh, like we're doing strength work and Metcon stuff in the same training session. They can't just be two separate components in a one hour class. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're yeah. dealing with a physical time limitation of 60 minutes. That's the bigger construct, not necessarily that, like this is inherently totally faulted as programming. I think if we're looking at fitness and GPP as the goals rather than like you being a competitive exerciser, yeah. That's a different conversation, but like for a lot of people that want to have truly world-class fitness, yeah. especially where the sport has evolved to, you're probably going to have to do some strength work and then some conditioning work. Not that that's wrong, but you're not going to do it with the general population. You're not going to do it in an hour, and you're not going to do it well. Talk about that because there are there are a ton of places that do, you know, Dude, strength work every day. We did it for a long time. So, like, old school main site kids and, like, you probably remember the original heavy hybrid, like, thread on the forum where Gant Grimes played around with lifting and then Metcons. Yep. Specifically, all of his Metcons were 12 minutes or less. Specifically, most of his Metcons biased to a heavier weight. Yep. However, comma, Gant Grimes was incredibly fucking fit going into it. And he wasn't basing all of that off of like a specifically time blocked one hour that had to Correct. include warming an entire population up, dealing with individual limitations of mobility, skill and strength, still being an educator, still having to build culture and community. And yeah. like there's there is a very different element that exists between maintaining a healthy class environment and gym population and just taking care of an athlete. Yeah, Dude, a self-sufficient athlete like. In one hour, I could get strength plus Metcon done every day without question. Doesn't necessarily fit like my goals du jour or dad life at the moment, but like I could do it. You know why? Because nobody's got to fucking teach me to snatch, bro. Right. Like I don't need somebody to sit around and like help me understand how to do a muscle up. For me, it's just training. It's just putting in work. For Mary Sue Ellen, housewife, mom of three, 42 years old, 60 pounds overweight, hasn't done a fucking jumping jack since middle school. She does not need strength plus Metcon to just look a little bit better and feel a little bit better. But also, like, you're dealing with a very different athlete. And then right. when you look at the dynamic that is, like, not a one-on-one, -on -one, I believe a good coach in a one-on-one -on -one environment could probably get strength plus Metcon done in an hour. Yep. Not that it necessarily is the best fit for most people's goals, but, like, you don't have that same limitation of having to educate and screen and assess and establish progressions and scales for a varied population. Right. Even down to, like, people going to the bathroom or grabbing bars and bumpers. Dude, how, and how long just, does it just take logistics. for to get lifting shoes on? Right. Just get their gear on, right? Right. And, like, staging equipment and, like, oh, you were going to grab that bar? I wanted that yeah, bar. you're going to go there. You're going to stand there. Oh, you were going to set up at that pull-up bar? I was going to set up at that pull-up bar. Oh, I can't reach that bar now. I need to go get a box. It's like... Right. Right, right. There is there is a multitude of issues with the strength plus Metcon as two separate elements that comprise culture and community, that comprise like the ability for a coach to be an educator and a high-level service provider that are just even, aside from all of that cool kid stuff, just sheer logistical limitations. Right. Like, dude, it takes a long time for people to, root, to, to move kettlebells, set up barbells, move rowers, move boxes. If you had a, if you had a workout that was like a kettlebell swing, a barbell... 
deadlift or snatch, a row, and a box jump, I would say <laughs> you, you are going to need like at least seven minutes, at least seven minutes to just like get equipment set up and staged. And Minimum. that's something that Minimum. like it doesn't go wrong. Right. Dude, that yeah. is a huge piece of a 60 minute window. Yeah, well, and by nature, if you're doing strength and mechon, then then the mechon will be shorter. Right? Should be, but dude, um, like you because of you traveled to enough gyms. Like, how many gyms have you traveled to that's like back squat five by five and then twenty minute amrap? And you're like, uh, hey guys, that's not gonna work. P.S. Not my first rodeo. Just right. straight up letting you know, not gonna happen. And you got somebody that's like, there may be one or two work sets into their squats, and some coach is like. Hey guys, all right, strip the weights. You got to be done squatting. It's time to set for the Metcon. You're like, I just, I just started. I literally just started. Right. So yeah, yeah. and we, yeah, we do. So we, we were using uh, warm up and workout, and uh, and love them. Um, I was supposed to talk to Pat Barber yesterday, but I missed a phone. Uh, call, just like I missed with you, because he. So I'm good at coaching. We should, we should just get on a three way call because I have to. I have to call him too. So, Dude, you want to um, do that? We should, let's, no, no bullshit. Let's set up a group communication for you, me, and Pat to do a podcast episode together about, like, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now. Anyway, yeah. you're using warm-up um, workout, and tell me about it. Well, we, we, so we did, and we did, we, I loved the progressions, the skill work, and everything. We have moved to level method, but more for the powerful moments that level method provides for the the colors and, and everything. Yeah. Um, but in terms of um, in terms of getting work done, what because in the past, you know, we we did do strength of my kind almost every day back in like twenty fourteen, right? Like same as these, bro. I would do, I would do the programming and you know Max Effort Black Box was a big influence and yeah, cross man. The football and the the problem that you you then saw was people would if they really love the strength part they would focus on that and then they would gain the Metcon. They would just kind of like half-ass yeah, right. the Metcon. They're, they're just biasing right? to like whatever they really want anyway. Exactly. And if they really look forward to the Metcon, well, I'm not going to go that heavy in, in the strength because, you know, I got to save myself. Right. Right. So that's, that's the, that's the problem. It's like, you're not going to really give it a hundred percent on both. Right. By nature. Yeah. Now, I think there's also a difference though of warming up for, let's say it's a heavy squat clean in the Metcon. Right, like there, it's different to me when when you have a uh, uh, ten to fifteen minutes to warm up to the weight you want to use for the Metcon, right? So I think a lot of it too is semantics. It's like, what is strength plus Metcon? You know, a lot of people don't do it correctly. I, I do, I do believe that many places it's just also to the point that if CrossFit is truly constantly varied, but you're always doing. A plus B, right? Plus C plus D plus E. <laughs> it's not constantly varied, right? Then you're already in fitness. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and like, dude, I think that like anyway, there, are, there are ways that you can for sure do strength and metcon as separate elements successfully. Right. I just don't think you can do it every day as the default norm because there has to right. be too much compromise. Right. Yeah. Just like CrossFit is not, you know, people are like, what is CrossFit? And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to explain because it's like they see back squats one day, but then the next day they see pull-ups and running and it's not, CrossFit is not just one single day of working out. It's what is it over the long term? 
And yeah. long term, if you're doing the same thing every single day in terms of format, it's probably not the best for general physical preparedness, GPP. Yeah. Or even if you're looking at, like, there's a lot of people that want to justify strength plus Metcon because of a competitive bias and because of where, like, fitness as sport has gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, how often does HQ just, like, shut your dick in the door? And they're like, cool, do a long Metcon. And then at the end of the Metcon, with your remaining time, squat clean a heavy single. And people are Fight like, heavy. right, right. What do, you, what do you mean the strength is supposed to come before the Metcon? You did it backwards. And they're like, no. You did it backwards. You should be ready for pretty much anything. And yeah, like, that was that was the what the open workout back in uh, like 2013, yeah. 2014. I mean, they've they've used that format a couple times, or even to see like the retest that we saw this year. It's like you know Diane building into a heavier deadlift under fatigue and also a higher skill movement. Right, right. And like people just get their fucking teeth kicked in, and it's like. Dude, you shouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying that's an easy workout or a simple workout at all, but like, you should be prepared to encounter a strength based stimulus under metabolic fatigue if you are fit. Yep. What, um, so going back to program, or let's actually go back to, um, coaching. What are some resources? Let's say a coach is listening to this and they're like, man, I, I got to get better at the personal side. Like I've been too focused on the technical stuff thinking that was important. Besides your getting in touch with you, coach, like you mean it, what are some either books or podcasts or things that people can do to get better at the true, the true caring side of things? So like step one for everybody like literally everybody it's the first piece of like our internship setup besides just like exist in this gym how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie that's our number one book for coaching as well dude i mean like that that's <laughs> number one book for life yeah it should be a high school like, requirement i i think that like i was actually talking to uh tony tony ronchi another one of the coaches on the gymnastic staff um he and i have another separate project that we're working on called fit affiliate which is like applying more of the idea of like the actual crossfit methodology to owning and operating a successful affiliate a whole separate like ranty side topic it's just like all these like gym gurus that are like you want to have a million dollar gym or like you want to blah 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 it's like (laughs) dude hold on you're going about this all wrong um you know like so anyway whatever separate unrelated tangent but he and i were talking it's like if that was the only book that you ever read on like interpersonal relationships and like communicating with another person and like you really read it, not just like skimmed it, if you read it and then on a regular basis tried to apply it, you'd be good. You wouldn't really need anything else. Like there's a million other resources you could have, but like that's, that's what's up on my audible right now. Like I promise you, like I have not stumbled through it just like here and there, but like straight up it's, it's what I was listening to. 10 minutes ago like that is my default go-to and then like every yeah. time i listen to a chapter i try to apply it that day to like a situation like i had a very difficult uncomfortable conversation with somebody yesterday tried to apply like what i had just pulled from that book is like a refresher and so like i think that like really there's a lot of people out there like oh yeah i've read that and it's like did you really read it right like, there's, there's and apply it. yeah and then like apply it and it's a homework piece and so i think like 
how to win friends and influence people is probably like the most the most undervalued thing that tends to get brought up all the time but i think a lot of people are like yeah whatever like because they've heard it referenced so many times like they want there to be like a cooler better sneakier answer like you know every time somebody fucking wins the games and a million people are like what do you do for your training and they're like i I do crossfit and they're like what does that mean what are your sets (laughs) like do you do strength plus metcon and they're like "I, i do crossfit but like that's it like how to win friends and influence people. And like to be able to apply that to a coaching role, every interaction you were like, you are selling somebody. Like you were trying to sell them on this cue. You're trying to sell them on fixing this fault. Like you need to approach it and apply it that way. Um, and then another good one that if it's like, if it's a little bit more of like a nerd audience, like I would recommend it to you cause you're my people and you got one of those brains that kind of works like that. But, uh, Thinking fast and slow. Yeah, by Kahneman. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a that's, that's a big one. I that's like yeah. a pretty tough one to go through. But like, yeah. if you can understand like these two different sides of the brain and like how you're presenting options and information, like how people process things, being able to use that as a framework to apply the lessons from how to win friends and influence people, you're doing pretty damn good. Yeah. Like, thinking fast and slow is probably over a lot of people's heads. Like, dude, there's parts of that book that I'm like, I I just read 20 pages, and I don't even remember what it's like. <laughs> just straight zone out. Like, I will own that. Like, that right. book, at points, bores me to fucking tears. But, like, for the points that I'm, like, engaged, I have, like, these clairvoyant ahas where, like, I can think back through hundreds of coaching interactions and be like, oh, I was trying to coach through your system one in that, and it was system two interacting. And that's why I had a whole room that was just blank stares. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, it, you know, so that, that might be a difficult one for some people to get through. But I think like, even if you only pulled like one or two ahas out of it to really be able to apply to a coaching career, you'd be, you'd be doing real well, my friend. Yeah. Um, another one that's good that Vanessa is going through right now that her and I have talked about a lot is atomic habits. And I know that's oh, yeah. James clear. Yeah. A little bit mm-hmm. different than kind of like what we're talking about for like true strategic coach stuff, but you got to get them back in the next day. You got to get them back in the next training session. Like if you can start to shape habits and consistency and dedication, like you can really suck at a lot because you don't have to fix everything at once. Like if you make that 1% improvement every time you see somebody and you have the way to like build the gym interactions as a habitual piece of their life on a long enough timeline, you're fine. Like I I made a post at some point or I was talking to somebody and was like, if you can just build enough consistency and people enjoy it, everything else takes care of itself. Like if you have people that are fucking stoked on going to the gym and they love going to the gym and they're going to show up like four to six days a week. Dude, just that's it. You're done. Just look up in four or five years and they're accomplished stellar athletes. You know, so like figure out like how can you build better habits for people? Like how can you make coming to the gym with a growth mindset like a habitual piece? Um, Let's see. This is a good one. Oh, yeah. By Mm -hmm. Vanessa Van Edwards. Do you listen to StoryBrand podcast? Because uh, I get a lot of, like, I got okay, that book. This right here? I was going to say, because I got the, the Captivate book from 
story brand podcast like basically anytime they interview anybody i just ordered their book <laughs> yeah and then uh conscious coaching by brett bartholomew he's he's a he's probably like one of the best like coach and fitness minds at the moment in yeah in and around the industry but uh dude i think let me put those back um like i did uh when i did my first podcast recording with um jason ackerman for like best hour of their day like he was yeah. like what's the book you'd recommend i was like building a story brand and he's like yeah. for coaches and i was like dude if you can understand like a hero has a problem meets a guide solves the problem like you're done and like right. being able to understand like weaving an element of storytelling into your coaching interactions like then you're using two and a half million years of evolution like in your favor like people like stories and so it's like you know somebody's got trouble squatting to depth cool like who's an avatar that you've worked with previously like how can you connect the dots be like oh dude there was a guy named brian he was a software engineer just like you. He was 42. He was 15 pounds overweight, and, like, he really struggled with his squat a lot, too. Here's what we work. So, yeah, like yeah those, are, those are a few. Um, and, you know, like, and so, like, that is, like, part of the issue that I have with, like, a lot of where coaching stuff has gone is, like, this push for, like, brevity and minimizing, like, dude, e even in the middle of a workout, like, there are times where I will just, like, straight up stop an athlete. I'll be like, dude, I don't, I don't need you to do a bunch of fast thrusters right now. Like, let's have a 30-second conversation. That's okay. And, like, I get a lot of people arguing, like, oh, you ruined the stimulus, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Meh. <laughs> no, I don't, because, like, this athlete who's not super fit, guess what? He wasn't going to go unbroken anyway. At some point, he was going to take, like, a 45-second or a two-minute rest anyway. So why don't I force him to take that rest before things turn into a movement train wreck, and we can work on building a relationship. I can win a friend. I can influence a person through telling a story and captivating him. And it's like you have an opportunity to reestablish a better role as, like, a coach then i right. think like that's where a lot of people that are well-meaning so like coaches that actually care that want to help people they've been pushed to be on the side of like minimizing interactions where everything is so short and actionable that like dude the client forgot that you're actually a trusted advisor the client forgot that you're there as a high level service provider the client never knew that you were an educator you're an exercise facilitator you start a clock you do a little motivating and you shout chest up or knees out that's about it. And it's like, no, man, you have difficult conversations with people. Be like, yo, right. Brian, I know that you can squat to depth. Like, why are you choosing to not squat right now? Like, does it hurt? Or are you caught up in your ego because you know that, like, squatting fuller range is going to hurt you on the leaderboard and you're worried about what Tim and Jason are doing today? Dude, stay in your lane, bro. Like, their journey of fitness does not matter. And it's like, you know, we, we haven't taught coaches to, like, actually seek difficult conversations because a lot of people that we figured out, like, what we were talking about earlier in the, the recording, like, they weren't supposed to be in coaching roles anyway. Right. Because they didn't care enough and they don't want to help people. And, like, if you care enough and you really want to help people, you will be more than willing to have the difficult conversations because, like, the end justifies the means. And, like, without this uncomfortable conversation, like, I can't help you be better. And if I can't help you, then, like, we got nothing to do together. Yep. We, um, 
we had a question of the day yesterday that was what's something that you have worked hard to get good at and my answer was business because i went to school for engineering i quit and uh, switched to counseling in the middle of my junior year and got a master's in counseling and one of the members was like man like i bet your counseling degree has really helped you know with coaching and i was like i think coaches should maybe not have a full degree in it per se but should definitely take some counseling classes in I terms of i completely agree dude like interacting and- with people I, I cannot like wholeheartedly agree with that enough. And it's like, that's the problem is like everybody is up here working on like tools and skills. And it's like, you have no way to actually deliver those nor to evaluate whether or not that person is receptive to those at all. And then like how to get right. them from being unwilling, fixed mindset, like that does not apply to me to being like, oh, you know what? Oh, here's where that's going to help me like reach my goals and make life better. And like, here's why it matters. Cool. So yeah, I think like I think coaches would be well served to do like a little bit of cursory education um, in in like counseling and counseling related field work. Helping fields. Yeah. Yeah. And then also education. like like sales in in the actual like selling side of things, but also sales is like influence and persuasion. Mm-hmm. Like I think sales has a dirty connotation, but it's like it shouldn't. Like, cause like, if you, if you care and you want to help somebody, then all selling is, is problem solving. Right. You're but, helping. You know, it's not. There's a money exchange, like, if but you're, you're helping. Selling. It's like, no, dude, are you, are you, do you genuinely care? And are you trying to help somebody? Well, then like, you should be able to help solve problems for them. Right. But like, I think that's a missing piece of people wanting to even seek like sales education. Like for a lot of people, like. Mm-hmm. sales and selling comes across and has like this mental construct just being like so gross and slimy and scammy and it's like right. no man doesn't need to be right especially if you care and if you want to help if right. you if you care and you want to help you don't have any other choice like you are morally obligated to try to sell somebody on fitness once they're right. sold on fitness you are morally obligated to try to fix these holes and these gaps and these like these broken problems with their fitness because you know that like life on the other side is better and you owe it to them to get them there yeah if you truly believe that you you can help someone or that people need fitness in their life you are you it is your duty to help them realize that sure and yes there's going to be a money exchange but that's that's how we that's how we that's our barter system. Like we we don't barter these days, right? So all we all we do is we. Oh come on, man! You own a gym. You <laughs> every day. But that's all right because taxes are another thing we can talk about. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's say let's say there are members, or let's say there are people out there that are like, man, I don't I don't know if my like if my coaches are are uh, are in it you know, for me or, or really want to help or how do I evaluate a gym? Maybe I'm looking for a gym, right? New Year's is coming up. How do I evaluate a gym based on what you're telling me? You know, uh, it looks like they do a good job there, but how do I really know? Like from a member standpoint, how do they know who cares, who doesn't, who has their best interests in mind? Like how do you, how do you evaluate that? Um, start off of another book reference. I'm sure you've read a lot of Malcolm Gladwell. All of his stuff, yeah. Blink. Like, thin slice. Dude, like, you know when... Immediate reaction. 
Yeah, like, you know when something feels right. And so, like, earlier thing that you mentioned, like, going to drop into a gym and you stand around for, like, 20 minutes before you're even acknowledged by somebody in, like, a leadership role or position. Dude, guess what? No warm fuzzies. <laughs> like, when Vanessa and I were in our gym, like, the culture and community took care of that for us. Where if I was coaching mm -hmm. a class and somebody came in, somebody either from the previous class or somebody from, like, the upcoming class would go introduce themselves, shake their hand, be like, hey, he's over there, he's coaching the class right now, I'm going to let him know that you're in here, but, like, make yourself at home, bathrooms are over there, like, if you want to just kind of sit in a chair and hang out, you can go over there, and so it's like, you know, I think, like, thin slicing and just, like, be cool with your gut reaction, and then also, like, I would not recommend, like, buying a car without test driving it, and mm -hmm. so, like, dude, do a class, you know? actually go through a class and be coached and see like does it make you want more and like that that idea of like building into habits like you know you had mentioned specifically like people gearing up for like the new year and it's like you know people that are trying to like make these life changes with fitness show up and see like dude do you want to be engaged in that or does it feel like pulling teeth like you go through a class are you super stoked on it and you're like dude let me throw dollars at you because i want to be back here tomorrow because that was awesome and these people are cool and i feel great right now or is it right. that you like you tear your fucking hands to shreds you're bleeding you threw up in the trash can and like nobody even <laughs> said your name the whole time like two very different extremes there for sure to like illustrate a point but like yep how does it feel, gut reaction, then try it out. Yeah. And I think part of, part of the, um, the thing that we struggle, or not even struggle with, but one, one of the uh, things that uh, I'm aware of is the general public, or really this, this population of people that have um, been at a CrossFit gym and they have a subpar experience, assume that that's the same thing that they're going to get at every other CrossFit because we have, we license to use the name CrossFit. They see it as a franchise, so they're like, oh, I had a bad experience at X CrossFit. I'm not going to go to this other CrossFit because, you know, I'm going to get whatever, hurt or yeah, just like, you know, what you see is what you get. a bunch you of bros. It should be the same. So, like, how I got to the – like, here's how I explain it to people because, like, that's a very real thing to talk about. You and your wife go out to dinner at a Mexican food restaurant. You get food poisoning. Do you say, I am never eating Mexican food again? You're like, no, that restaurant just sucked at Mexican food. There's this other one. I love it. They've got these fucking brisket tacos. They're incredible. They're the best thing I've ever eaten. And so, like, you know, that idea of, like, kind of, like, the story brand side of things, yeah. it's, like, just tell a story that helps illustrate that, like, dude, these are not all the same. Like, you, maybe you're a Ford guy, and you're driving your Ford around because you saw a Chevy broke down, but like, you're not just like, Oh, there's a, there's a truck that's broke down over there. So trucks suck. And I'm just walking like you, right. you know, it depends. Like you can figure out like from their personality, play with them. But like, yeah. I usually use like food and the food poisoning reference. And it's just like, dude, somebody delivered a bad service. Yeah. You know, you go in and you get your hair. Somebody, well, that's, no more haircuts from it's like so you know finding like repetitive examples like where they can reference in their own life and it's like dude in any field there are good and bad service providers yep you provide a service now a lot of people looking for like the franchising model for that consistency you can go back into them and like 
countersell them on like why that's not the best fit. Be like, you know what a franchise is? McDonald's is a franchise. Was the best burger that you've ever had in your life at a McDonald's? Hard no. I promise. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Because they didn't have the creative freedom. They didn't have the ability to put their spin on it. They didn't have the ability to use like a brisket and chuck 50-50 blend and some smoked cheddar and like an artisanal brioche bun. Like, but we can do that. We can make you the best fitness program you've ever had in your life, specifically because we don't have to follow a standardized format that exists across 16,000 gyms all over the planet. If this was a franchise, I wouldn't be able to do my job as well as I can. However, because it's not a franchise, some other guys down the street, they might not be as good as me. They might not care as much as me. They might not want to help as much as me. Or you know what? Maybe they do, but they've got a different culture and community. Right. They're trying to, they're trying to right. build athletes. I'm right. trying to get you to love life. Mm-hmm. Either of us is right or wrong, but like, where do you fit in? And right. like, for us, like we had an incredible referral relationship with every gym in town because I knew enough about like the coaches, the culture and the community. Dude, it's okay to not take every member. And like yep. that becomes a yep. much better, like, so we were talking about sales earlier. Like it's a whole lot easier to move into a selling role in your gym when you look at it as like qualifying people and making sure that it's a good fit for everybody. So like, if you're not coachable, dude, this is a terrible gym for you. You know why? Cause I can't help myself. I am that dude trying to coach people. Like when I go and drop into a gym, cause like, dude, I don't know how not to, cause I care too much. I want to help too much. I see a problem that I can solve. So if you don't want to be coached, this is just a bad fit for you. Cool, you do want to be coached, but you want to have like super highly competitive aspirations. Cool, I'll work with you, but it's going to have to be in probably like a one-on-one or like you're going to have to do some extra auxiliary stuff like after class and we can talk about that separately. But if all you want to do is show up to the class three times a week, here's what that's going to look like. Here's what it's going to feel like. Like here is what we're trying to get accomplished in that. And like, oh, all you want to do is breathe hard and sweat. You don't want to encounter like things like walking on your hands or doing snatches or like building towards muscle ups, even if you know that you'll never actually be great at any of those things. Cool. Also not a good fit for you. Like if you just want a boot camp experience, dude, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't begrudge you one bit, but I think because I deeply believe in a growth mindset that we should always strive to do the hard thing. I think we should always strive to be challenged, to find opportunities to work towards improvement. Even if we know that we'll never reach it, it's part of the human experience. And I think that's valuable enough for me to coach and guide you as a trusted advisor and as an educator to help you develop life skills through fitness. So if you don't want to do hard things, this is also probably not a good environment for you. And so like, you know, Going back to your original question that kind of like sidelined into this tangent, if somebody's out there trying to evaluate gyms, dude, go and like talk to some of the coaches, like talk to the owners and like keep in mind at the end of the day, like they're operating probably a for-profit business. And if they're not willing to like actually try to fucking explain these things to you, if they're like, hey, you can either join or you can't, (laughs) feel free to sign up. If you don't like it, then I don't know, whatever, bye. Right. Like, that's part of your screen of, like, do they care and do they want to help? Yeah. And, like, dude, I I will sit and talk your ear off for two hours trying to convince you that, like, joining this gym is going to be one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life because, like, I know that it is. And, like, I've got a moral obligation to try to get you into my doors so I can yell at you about, like, being a better human five days a week for the rest of your life. And if somebody's just like, you can either join or not, I don't really care. Sweet. 
go down the road. I promise yeah. there's somebody else that like wants your business that's willing to work for it and like prove their value. I like that McDonald's franchise analogy a lot. Do like, that I, being able to like being able to find like a food based reference was probably one of like the biggest wins that I had like as an affiliate owner to like overcome a lot of those fears and obstacles and even in like a yeah. sense right because you're like right right you're talking to your members and you're like dude like. P.S. Affiliate owners, don't assume that word of mouth is going to take care of itself. Like, you need to actively ask people to, like, use that word of mouth and be like, dude, if you guys love this, please tell your friends. Please tell your family members. Please tell your coworkers. Not once, not twice. Probably, like, between 7 and 13 times. Yeah, but, like, minimum. with that, give them the tool so that when they're like, hey, you know, Scott in accounting, dude, I heard you're looking for a gym. My gym is awesome. And Scott's like, bro... Chris, you do CrossFit though. My cousin's nephew's aunt's roommate broke his back doing CrossFit and be like, oh, <laughs> that was probably at a shitty gym. And be like, no, man, it was doing CrossFit. It's CrossFit's fault. And be like, here's the thing. And then like get into that Mexican right, food, like right. analogy. So like understand that like in a in a ownership role where you're trying to like also coach your clients into like helping you acquire business in a better manner, like you need to give them tools to have those discussions on your behalf. Unless, like, you can get yourself to be that first point of reference. Like, right. you can also be like, you know, Scott in accounting, cool. You know what? Don't take it from me. Just, like, here's Chuck's number. Give him a call. Let him talk to you about, like, your fears, your worries, and concerns. But most mm -hmm. people, like, they won't do that. Unless, like, they have another tool to be like, dude, I thought the same thing as you. I thought that, like, this was not right. going to be the fit for me. I thought I was too old. I didn't think I was fit enough. I thought I was too fat. I wasn't athletic enough. Like, and I thought I was going to get hurt. And it turns out... All of those were unfounded. Yep. And so, like, I don't know. That's part of that, like, winning friends and influencing people. Like, that's part of being able to, like, deliver to even, like, your other coaches and your other members, like, an ability to interact better on your behalf. Yeah, well, that's your brand, right? Your brand is not what you're, you're saying. It's what people talk about I you yeah. when you're not there, right? Yeah. Um, man, there's so much... But um, yeah, let's let's save a lot of this for another one, and then maybe even get in touch with Pat to uh, get on and talk about programming and. Dude, that'd be super fun, man. I don't know. Obviously, I just. I, I think that'd be it. really cool. I think. I love I, all this stuff. Yeah, because um, you got a you got a call coming up, and I do too. Um, where can people find you? Where can coaches find more about uh, Coach Like You Mean It? Um, all the socials. Just the only I, I, I tend to stray away from Facebook um, for a multitude of reasons, but predominantly just I hang out on Instagram, um, just at Chuck Bennington. Actually, like right now, in, the link in my bio is to a survey that is just like some data collection to help me guide like what tools to deliver and what content to create. So if somebody's got a coaching struggle, like that's it. It's it's a little story of like how I, I transitioned to kind of like what I have termed as coach like you mean it. Like I had been coaching yeah. for a long time before I really had my aha moment. And so like right. a little bit of backstories in there. And then it's just like, hey, like please share with me your number one coaching struggle. And yeah. like that lets me know like what the community needs because I spent about a year developing an entire like curriculum around like what I thought that people needed. And like that's my bad. So Instagram at Chuck Bennington, if you got time, like hit the link in the bio. Just let me know like one thing you're really struggling with. I'd love to know. Um that's that's about it at the moment. Uh, 
there is a website like that is still developmental, but it, it is operational. It is coachlikeyoumeanit.com. Um, there is a template for a lesson plan on there. So like for coaches that want to build lesson plans, I've, I've got like just a printable format where you can just email submit. It sends it to you and you can print out a million of them because I don't know. Unless you're really, really good at this, like I would recommend you do a little bit of planning for your classes, because again, that like that hour is precious and it disappears in a moment's notice. So, um, good resource, not my own, but like DT lesson plans. Denise Thomas, she yeah. she puts out public lesson plans regularly. It's good to just like study other people's lesson plans and to like look at the people that are like pros in this game, like they're budgeting in bathroom breaks and like, th you know, those are the small details that can make or break like a client or a member experience to like be able to understand those things. Cause like if you end up in a place where on a regular basis, like you're trapped, you're trying to start the workout and there's like two people off in the bathroom, dude, like you need to know that that's going to happen. You need to be able to adjust for it. Anyway, like that's a random tangent. Anyway, Instagram yeah. at Chuck Bennington link in the bio to a survey to help me help you. Um, CoachLikeYouMeanIt.com. There's not a crazy amount up there right now, but you can at least get a sweet lesson plan template. And cool. then uh, we can talk business stuff on the next one because that yes. would be fun. Holy smokes. Yeah. That would be a 10-part series. Yeah, that's uh, so Tony and I and it will like applying the actual like CrossFit methodology to owning and operating a CrossFit affiliate because you know what? We fucking believe in the affiliate model. And a lot of gym gurus are trying to push people to like drop their affiliation, to rebrand, to change. And I'm like, dude, I, I will defend CrossFit until the day I die. CrossFit has done something to change the health and fitness sciences that nobody else has done. CrossFit has like legitimized the pursuit of fitness as a true athletic endeavor. CrossFit has solved the problem of getting people that didn't like to work out literally addicted to exercise. We're on the other side of it, bro. We've got people <laughs> that have like become orthorexic and addicted to fitness in like in a day and age where we've got, you know, pandemic levels of obesity and sedentary lifestyle stuff. I will fight for CrossFit. And I think the affiliate model is all of the things that people use to detriment the affiliate model, like the low hanging fruit, anybody can open their doors. Guess what? That's how we actually solve things on a grassroots level. If you need to have $500,000 to get a 20,000 square foot building to like open a fucking LA fitness, guess what? Nobody's life changes because there's enough of those. And for every one of those gyms that has 15,000 members and only four of them are actually fit, you've got a big fucking problem, my friend. So anyway, Tony and well, I- And they, and they just got $4 million from uh, NSCA for uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, the judge awarded. So- basically yeah, lying. Dude, let's, let's plan on let's plan on like a, a business centric one um at yeah, some point that'd be cool all right cool i'm just gonna Get you up i'm just gonna hire you to like help me podcast things so you know it's funny like i um i primarily do this for our members and they're you know they 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 will get value out of this i haven't started one yet but I really, I've had so many ideas for, yeah, a business podcast geared towards owners slash coaches. Um, but that I'm not, like, I'm not selling my services. Like, I don't, I don't do. Yeah, you're just providing value. Right. B 
because like, I feel like coach like you mean it, dude. Like I jump on people's podcasts and they're like, so where do people go to like buy the course? I'm like, there's actually not a course. I just yeah, like, it's just it is what it is. Yeah. Like you got the domain that that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just rant. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense though because if you did this, you know, you you became a crossfitter in 2008. Similarly, like we are at the the uh, Malcolm Gladwell 10 years, 10,000 hours time horizon. Yeah. You know? So it makes sense that it has taken that long because you've needed to you hone the craft. And you know, just because you get on seminar staff for gymnastics doesn't mean that you suddenly have all the answers. You're still figuring it out. No, nah, man. But, all you do is find better questions. You never get the exactly. answers. You just find better questions. Precisely. So, all right, we'll we'll chat off off the air about uh, that stuff. But anyway, Ross, man, always home. appreciate it. Sorry <laughs> that my life is like a, a hot mess, fucking dumpster fire, and I'm like hard to get on the phone. But dude, yeah, I just all good, I man. Just a ton, Chris. All good. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, dude. See ya.